Hello and welcome to another episode of Extraordinary Interviews with Ordinary People. I'm your host, Nathan Andrews. On today's episode, I interview an old friend of mine, Adam, all the way from Canada. I hope you enjoy today's episode. We will get to the interview right after a message from our sponsors. Today's episode brought to you by Marlboro Cigarettes. You get a lot to like with a Marlboro, the filtered cigarette with the unfiltered taste. Why don't you settle back and have a full flavored smoke? Today's episode also brought to you by Paper Airplanes, when real fun and entertainment is just too expensive. Okay, let's get started. So, first thing I'd like to ask is your date of birth. Uh, 1982. Oh, I thought you were the same age as me. You're a little bit older. Can't call you a boomer, I guess. Not quite. (laughs) Maybe Gen X, millennial. I'm in that weird overlap period. Oh, really? So, um, where were you born? Uh, California. Oh, you were born in California? Uh, specifically Garden Grove. Yeah. Nice. Garden Grove. Um, Good times. About three blocks away from Disneyland. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, you have brothers and sisters? Too many. <laughs> uh, I have five half-brothers and four half-sisters. Wow. That is a lot of brothers and sisters. No full brothers or sisters? No. I am the one and only. Um, technically, the uh, first child between my parents, the only child the middle child with my mom and then also the youngest from my dad so 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 your mom and your dad have both have kids with other people oh yes uh so my dad's first marriage um he married his high school sweetheart actually uh they had seven children by the time he was 30 i believe oh wow um for whatever reason they separated and um I believe she married his best friend and had five more kids <laughs> and then he was on his own living out of a hotel in uh, costa mesa actually um my mom had separated from her first husband um and my brother dean was about two years old at the time uh since my dad has kids and everything he kind of used dean as a segue into getting to know my mom uh-huh. and um that's how all that started so i'm gonna have to get like a chart or something to keep track of all this a flow chart yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah it gets confused like a family tree flow chart well i'll just pretend i'm keeping track of it all and we'll just rely on you to keep track of it all um so did you ever all live together or no like what would you say your living situation was like when you came online like i don't know eight nine ten years old who were you living with at that time? So when I was eight and nine, I was living with my mom, my stepdad, and my younger sister. Um, so my sister Valerie is from my mom and my stepdad. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Essentially, my parents, they separated when I was about two and a half. Mm-hmm. And they technically weren't even divorced, but they were separated. Right. Um, when, Val- when Valerie came into the picture. And uh, it was kind of a forced situation where, you know, my dad had to sign the papers uh, if he wanted visiting rights again and stuff like that. So he did. My mom was instantly remarried and we moved in with my stepdad. That's wild. So you never had like a house full of 10 people, though, because and whenever I hear somebody had like no. 10 brothers and sisters, I don't know why I always put them all in the same house together. And it's like, that no. sounds crazy, but... It, with different ages and step this and step that, you'll never really all in the same house together. Uh, they were together for about 13 years before I was even, even born. Um, so most of my brothers, uh, the next closest in age is 14 years. Oh, wow. um, actually, my brother Dean and my brother Mike share the exact same birthday, completely different parents though. <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> so I'm sure that must be extremely weird for them growing up. Right. Um, but they were, you know, 20 they were in their 20s by the time i was born so wow that's crazy uh, so what was the dynamic like uh, at that time when you were younger and just you your sister and your stepdad and mom really remember that much um i remember my mom and i we were living out of an apartment in lake forest uh you know that creepy creek down the, i don't know if you're familiar with lake forest but there's this public park and it's right next to this overflow type of creek bed uh-huh um anyways we lived over there and i was always told you never go into this park at night so i'm sure shady stuff was going down (laughs) yeah probably not Uh, the best neighborhood (laughs) then um she was seeing my stepdad his name is bud 
That's not his real his real name is Vincent, but he goes by Bud uh-huh. in marijuana. Um, anyways, we used to do tons of really cool and fun stuff. Um, they were very active, uh, very sociable, like people, and as a couple, yeah. uh, had tons of friends. And we were constantly going camping on houseboats, fishing, doing all this stuff. And then Bud won a golf tournament with his best friend. And in this golf tournament, um, the grand prize was a brand new home in this gated community. Very nice, upscale, kind of prestigious community. And he won. And then we moved. I left all my friends again. Um, Everything, everybody. And I was kind of by myself. We were out in the middle of nowhere. it was pretty much a retirement community uh-huh. is what it seemed like because it was all old, rich, white people. <laughs> and, That's my favorite um, kind of person. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great place for a child. Behind their home, though, um, was the Cleveland National Forest, which is right up against the Ortega Mountains and Foothills. Uh-huh. And I spent most of my time just by myself and my dog just hiking that's pretty much how i grew up i've almost been bitten by a rattlesnake probably like half a dozen times <laughs> never actually happened but plenty of close and would would have ended disastrously because i was always you know by myself so yeah were you not close with your stepsister at all that you lived with do you guys hang out at all or? Uh, so Valerie is she's about seven years old, younger than i am oh okay so you guys um, are separated too nine, you know, just, uh, she's like two years old when I was eight and nine. Oh, okay. I moved out when I was 15, and she was seven by that point. So. Oh, crazy. But um, other but, than uprooting you from your friends, it doesn't sound too terrible. Sounds like it was going pretty okay at the time. I mean, from the perspective of a child, yeah. Um, it was very lonely. Uh, I was completely socially underdeveloped. Um, I've kind of felt that way most of my life, though. Like, I was about five to ten years behind most other yeah. people my age yeah uh i think a lot of that does have to do with living so isolated for so long right. at such a young age because you um, had that you I had mean, to change the, schools and everything oh yeah that's changed nice. schools multiple times probably went to like five or six different schools before the age of about eight that's so. insane and then um so you're in this new house eight. that they won in the golf tournament which is like crazy sounds like out of a movie or something and uh you're pretty miserable because you're isolated how's school going at that time were you a good student as far as school went i don't remember oh, um yeah i didn't have too many friends maybe one or two at a time uh but you weren't like getting into I, any trouble at school or anything like acting out or anything were you not that i can recall <laughs> yeah the well, worst thing that i can remember is uh you know i was sick one day uh uh, food poisoning is my guess mm-hmm. but um i had my hand raised and i was one of those kids that was always like raising his hand and answering questions or mm-hmm. asking questions just being kind of obnoxious yeah <laughs> uh, the teacher was completely ignoring me so i stood up walked up directly to her and she goes yes adam what and i just puked all over oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> that's gross uh, i think that was like fourth grade i immediately got sent home but um no i didn't really do a lot you know as far as acting out um pretty much a good kid like i definitely was threatened with like the wrath of my mom Uh so it kept you in line oh absolutely she kept me in line like you wouldn't even believe we can move to maybe an age you remember more well what was what was like uh freshman year for you where were you at at that point by that point i had actually moved out with my uh, dad just about 14 and a half um, it was the year before my freshman year. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, so my father, um, he was, look, at the time, you know, I didn't understand kind of like what he had done to get where he was. But like looking back, he was really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a man who, you know, he divorced my mom and him. They separated because uh, he pursued a career. Okay. Um, with the Silicon Valley group, uh, 
essentially creating microprocessing chips for computers and stuff. Really, really smart guy. That's cool. Um, and they were, uh, you know, making microprocessors and stuff for computers before computers were in homes. So mm-hmm. these are things that were used by the government, essentially. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and then he actually went back to school while doing this job up in San Fernando Valley, just south of San Francisco, to get another degree so he could get another job that was back down in Southern California just so he could be involved in my life. Oh, wow. Um, so he came back down probably when I was about seven. He lived in Newport. And then, you know, getting this new job, new career, better pay, and moved into an apartment building that was two miles from my parents' house. And I'm sure this infuriated my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this pissed her off to no end having her ex-husband, you know, a 10 minute drive less than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up, you know, spending almost every weekend with him. So, and that was the dynamic. Um, he got all the fun days and my mom got all the disciplinary days, uh, the school days and stuff like that. Yeah. I ended up moving in with him when I was, uh, you know, about 14. Um, what did your mom think of that? We, oh no, she was, uh, by that point, our relationship was so strained and deteriorated. Like it was a good move and should have happened a lot earlier. Um, the relationship that I have with my mom is, uh, it's non-existent at this point. Um, her views on politics to religion, to ethnicity, pretty much anything is in the complete opposite direction of myself mm. and uh, things that I actually believe. So, But before you had ideologies and all that, like what, what would you say is at the root of, would you just never get along with her or was she, um, was she just a major bitch or? <laughs> so you hear of people that are essentially, uh, they join cults. Uh-huh. Um, she's pretty much one of those people. It's the type of personality uh, the the desperation to be accepted and wanted and needed and to be a part of something, uh, anything that's outside of her own view is a threat. And she will treat even her own family as a threat if they don't agree. Wow. So even from a young age, because, you know, as a child, you question things, you question the world around you. Yeah. Um, a lot of the answers that came from her were do what I say. Okay. Uh, it is because I say it is. Right. This is the way things are because I say they are. You know, and as I got older, that just didn't sit well. <laughs> right. So um, by that and by that point, you know, the internet was coming out, so I could actually look up answers for myself. And she really didn't like the answers that I was finding. So what would be like? Just like a one or two general example of the kind of stuff you guys disagreed on? Well, religion, um, her views of the afterlife, uh, morality. Uh, what religion did she follow? So she was born into Catholicism and then in her 20s converted to uh, Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time she, that I came around, she was into baptism. Then by the time she met my stepdad, she was getting into um, born-again evangelicism. Wow. Uh, Then by the time I left, she was getting into Judaism. And she's now in something called El Shaddai, which is a uh, weird amalgamation of uh, basically all of the above combined into one, but cherry-picking the best parts of you know, the Bible, essentially. That's wild. I mean, she should have just at least stopped on Judaism. Those guys are pretty cool. They're friendly people. So... Absolutely. That's wild. So you just never got along with her, and now you just don't talk to her at all? How long has it been since you've talked to her? So we uh, spoke through text messages, actually, when Delilah was born. I let her know a couple of weeks afterwards. Um, I sent her some pictures, and, you know, we were just talking back and forth i started asking about her dad uh because i never knew my grandfather um their relationship between him and my mom was completely non-existent when i was growing up so the last time i saw my grandfather 
I was, I don't know, maybe 10. Uh, we were talking through emails and stuff, and then she uh, asked for my uh, mailing address and my phone number, which she didn't need at all. Um, I wasn't asking for anything, and what she wanted to send me could have been sent through an email. Yeah. Um, so I refused. I told her no, and she completely lost her shit on me. Oh, wow. Uh, it, was, it was pretty bad. It was really bad. Um, well, needless to say, uh, we haven't talked since then. And before then, it was when I left California in 2013. So, jeez, oh, uh, about six and a half, almost seven years. You can't even. And you almost I, can't even count the one you just had with her. <laughs> Might as well count that as a good conversation. Too. Go the rest of my life. Yeah. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah, that's just that's just crazy how even the birth of your daughter didn't make her like shape up or come around or try a little harder. That's wild. She must just not be interested. Does she have other grandkids or other relationships with your sisters or brothers or is she just like cut off from everybody? Uh, or? No. Um, I mean, she's rich, right? They live in this wonderful area and have this like perfect home and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my younger sister, Gauri, she still lives with them. Oh, wow. And um, as she's told me, she's going to live with them until they're dead so she can inherit everything. Good for her. Yeah, not a bad route to take. Right? Yeah. Uh, my older brother uh, completely cut off. Um, so unlike me where I cut myself off and I just said, fuck you, and I went my own way, and my older brother stayed in the area and tried to be this person that she wanted him to be, and it's unobtainable. You can't be, you know, divine. You can't be sent from God. Um Essentially, she believes that one of her kids is going to be the next Messiah. Not to mention, she's even said this to my face. Yeah, she switched religions so many times. It's it's hard to hit a moving target when you keep switching religions. (laughs) But would you say like? Would you say it's like almost an even divide? Some take some take her side, some take your side. Well, not your side, but you know what I mean. Um, I guess what I'm saying is like, do you not talk to some of your sisters and brothers because of her? Like, because they're on her side. Oh my god. Uh, the interdynamics of like my entire family are so fucked up. <laughs> like there's there's old wounds from everybody wow. amongst everyone, and That's people are picking up. sides and talking shit behind other people's backs, and you know, then going just to the next person that they were just talking shit on, and saying this other person was talking shit on them, and Man. you know, yeah, um, sounds like a mess. Uh, we put the fun in dysfunctional, right? <laughs> I mean. Nice. Or at least the F. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a good one. So to, to kind of circle back, so you move in with your dad at 15, and that's pretty great at first? or you No, know, it was great the entire time. Oh, um, that's, that's good. You know, I moved in with him, and then, then uh, we ended up moving from that apartment to one that was closer to the high school that I was going to. Mm-hmm. So initially I went and took an entrance exam at this uh kind of prestigious Catholic high school or whatever that my mom wanted me to go to. Uh-huh. And I had the flu the day that I took the test. I ended up getting a B minus on it, uh-huh. but I ended up failing the religious aspect. So I didn't know any of the saints or any of, you know, Catholic beliefs or anything like that. Right. I wasn't accepted in. Whereas my Jewish friend uh, failed the test on purpose because he didn't want to go to a Catholic school, but his dad ended up sponsoring like 10 grand to the football program there because he knew that it would be a stepping stone to greater things in his child's life. Yeah. So he gets in. <laughs> okay. you know? That's how it goes. Money talks. I mean, you can't really blame yeah. either of them for that. I mean, that's the dad just trying to look out for his kid and kid getting lucky. So, um, what school did you end up uh, going? Did you end up Cal- going to Marina then, or wait, what's what high school did you go to? No, I went up to uh, Capistrano Valley. Capistrano Valley High School. So, uh, what what? Uh, so you're living with your dad. Everything's going well with him. Starting out high school. What were you uh, like in high school? Was it like a you're still kind of isolated and lonely or did you start to kind of butterfly out into social stuff or no um i've always been the same way um completely a loner like i was the kid sitting underneath the tree like reading books and studying yeah Um, i didn't have too many friends in high school uh i was on the football team for a little bit um 
just for you know the PE type of requirement. And yeah, I like playing sports. So high school was a uh, if high school was a state, it would be a flyover state for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then when did we meet? I don't even know. I'm so bad at like dates and years and everything. Uh, the roundabout time was right after you did the stop motion Jesus bit with uh, Corey and David. Oh, that's right. I remember making that. Corey got so mad because I kept tilting my head for some reason. I don't know why. As I walked towards the camera, I would tilt my head. So that did not go over well. I thought it was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> Corey didn't seem to like it. Corey's hard to please. That's Corey for you. So did you ever have any sort of like girlfriends or first loves or relationships or anything before your current wife when you were in high school or after high school? Her name was Dana. Uh, she was actually in the same apartment complex um and it was i don't know my junior year maybe whatever uh-huh. um and by that point like due to the age and to you know growth and everything um in really good shape i'm not gonna lie <laughs> probably the best shape i've ever been in um was my junior and senior year in high so school you were a bit of a bit of a stud uh, so this girl well you can brag back, yes it's but okay at the time, I, you can... I wasn't super aware of it yeah but uh, i mean i you know when somebody looks at you you can kind of tell what they're thinking uh-huh. so this girl you know she's walking by with her friends and i was out on my patio and she saw me and i was just like okay yeah i could probably you know hook up with her she undressed so. you with her eyes <laughs> like hey that lady just i fucked yeah. me i gotta go check out what that's yeah, about pretty much it was like wow that is the first time that has ever happened let's go see what this is about that was fun yeah, yeah. um that lasted way too long i was with her for about two years um and I was entirely faithful as my first relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, little did I know that she was, like, hooking up with everybody. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Uh, you know, but in high school, like, if, and I hate the uh, the term, like, you know, if I could go back, that type of thing, with yeah. what I know now. Yeah. Yeah. Do things so different. So what about after high school? Did you still live with your dad, or when did you move out of your dad's house? So, what happened with him is uh, this company that he was with um, for, at that point, maybe a decade, uh, they essentially hired on two new uh, kids just out of college uh, for half of what he was making and paid them each half and um, forced him into retirement. So, um, he was living... Almost throughout most of my high school, um, he was living off of uh, his social insurance and retirement, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, And then um, I was about 19, and he says, I'm moving to Washington. Uh, You're graduated. You can come with me um, or you can stay here, uh, but I'm giving you, you know, the heads up. You've got about three months to figure your life out. That's and, not much of a heads up. <laughs> and he left and went to Washington and moved in with my sister, Julie. And uh, I was essentially, you know, living on couches from that point forward well into my mid to late 20s. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Did you uh, ever couch surfing, uh, living with girlfriends? Um, at one point, I was living out of my car for about three months almost what kind of car was it that one <laughs> fuck, what was it driving back then it wasn't the bronco it might have been the ford explorer so at least there was uh you know a back area you could lay down the seats and like yeah sleep in. yeah ford explorer that's not it too bad open. no so no it wasn't like a stop or anything i know you say <laughs> you still think of yourself as the same kind of socially and uh life-wise but when 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 would you say it kind of turned around for you um like did you were you able to get work and get your own place or i mean i've always had a job like since i was 18 years old i've always worked um having a job was never an issue yeah Uh, i'm just horrible with money (laughs) (laughs) 
I've had a job so, since I was 16, but I'm also horrible with money. So, for instance, uh, Angela and I, my, this is my current wife. Right. Um, when we first moved in together, we were biting like cats and dogs because we're both stubborn. I'm just going to say it. We're stubborn people. Yeah. And I took a break from this fight over, I don't even remember what, it was not important. Uh-huh. Stepped back, took a few breaths, looked at her and said, this is not going to work out. What are we really fighting about? What is going to make you happy? Uh-huh. Okay. And she said, <laughs> she paused a moment, thought about it and said, I want to be in charge of the money. I want to be in charge of the finances. Uh-huh. I said, is that it? Is that it? She goes, yes. I'm like, okay, done. And right. so every paycheck, I give her a majority of my paycheck. She handles the finances and everything's been great yeah so. I, yeah i say that, that i i mean that's pretty normal i think most couples the thing they fight about the most is finances i always yeah, get i, I always know. get baffled at those people that don't mix their money together like even when they're married or live together yeah. no i know for a fact we wouldn't be together if i you tried. wasn't willing to do that yeah yeah well that's uh good that you were willing to do it but um so did you meet her before you moved to canada right I met her in Canada, in uh, Vancouver. Um, All right, so let's rewind a little bit. How'd you end up in Canada? I was about 20, 27, maybe, 26, 27. And, I mean, if you want to go back even further, um, uh, 26, 27, I hated the way that my life was going. Um, I was getting to the point where drugs and alcohol for, like, breakfast (laughs) <laughs> we're we're just not cutting it anymore yeah uh you know and i knew that i was gonna end up like my brother um and this is the one that stayed close with my mom and mm-hmm. tried to be you know the person that she wanted him to be it led him into a world of self-destruction which he is still doing and he's in his 50s and it's just awful yeah um, so you felt like you were going down the same path, kind of? Just like that. That yeah. was my example. And if I didn't have him as an example, I might actually ha- be that person. Yeah. You know? um, but I kind of used him as an example, like, I don't want to end up like that. So uh, I saw a commercial on TV, and it was, like, for video games and visual effects and animation and stuff like that. For-profit college, hindsight, shouldn't have gone to it. Um, but I did. This is actually where I met Corey and how I met you. Yeah, that's um, right. It was uh, and then, and Corey regrets going to that college too. I think. <laughs> oh, it was awful. It was the worst. You know what's funny? Yeah, also, I almost yeah, made it. I almost went with him. Too. Yeah, I almost. Oh, I almost went to that didn't. same school. The only reason I didn't go, and I was so angry at the time, is because my grandma wouldn't co-sign for me because I was poor. I needed to co-sign her or something. Yep. But exactly. she refused it for religious reasons or because Jesus told her no thanks or something. I don't know. At the time, I was mad, but yeah, now I look back. Thank God. So, uh, this school, um, the only good thing about this school is they had an incredible um, culinary program. Okay. You know how there's only like a certain amount of master chefs in the entire world? Yeah. It's a pretty low number. I think it's like under 100. Mm -hmm. They had two at this school two master chefs that taught at this school. So their culinary program was fucking top notch. Right. Everything else shit the bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I ended up getting a, uh, a job right after graduation because I happened to know somebody. Right. Uh, this person had, you know, got a job. Their job was hiring. They said, Oh, I know people, you know, we can hire them. And so that's how I got my foot in the door. Right. And I did visual effects work for about three years. Um, visual effects, like post production specifically, post production sucks balls. Um, if anybody out there is listening to this and you're thinking about going into post production, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice for the listeners. Um, <laughs> we should probably also name yeah, the right? school. What's that piece of shit school they shouldn't go to? I forget uh, the name of it. The Art Institute. The Art Institute. The Art Institute. If you, That's see right. a school, if you see a school that is on a television commercial, don't apply. Just don't go to it. <laughs> Come on, I was gonna start DeVry next year. No, I'm just kidding. 
Oh, damn, you'll know how to fix things. I miss those DeVry commercials. Those are the best. Just random people touching computers, not really doing anything. Right. <laughs> so that's where you met. Uh, that's where you met Corey. So I just, just a little uh, background for the listeners, because it's it's hard right. interviewing people like you because we know each other. But so True. Corey is yeah. Corey is my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding. You met him at uh, that school. Yeah, and uh, then we met through you know, him, right? You would think through uh, at an art college that there would be like a lot of people smoking cigarettes, uh-huh. you know, because artists and shit like that. Right. But it was like looked down on or something. It was really fucking weird. There was a super small group of people that smoked. Um, I could probably count six or seven of them. That's crazy. <laughs> and Corey and I, we happened to be uh, two of the people that smoked cigarettes and smoked weed and shit like that. And, um, you know, we just started chatting it up out That's on the crazy. sidewalk. So you did visual or post-production work or whatever here, right, in California? I did. Uh, so the post-production world, visual effects world, essentially the entertainment industry in general, um, you're hired on for one specific job. It's contract work. Um, post-production work is brutal because it's a hard deadline. They've already finished all the filming. They've wrapped that, and now they have the release date of the movie set. So you step in somewhere between... Uh, filming ends and the release date and that release date doesn't change wow so you have to be a part of this group this team of people that are all collaborating working on it and because you're contracted uh, there's no set hours but it also means that you're going to be doing overtime yeah um Probably like not. Probably not being paid for overtime either. No. Um, well, it depends on where you're at. You yeah. Know, if if yeah. it's a, a nicer type of company, something that's a little bit established, yes, you're going to get overtime. It's going to be nice. Um, you know, but eighty-hour weeks minimum. That's that's crazy. like a normal. I once did 120 hours in one week. I um, wouldn't recommend it, but that does happen occasionally. Uh, essentially, you're sleeping under your desk for about seven hours. You wake up, you're not taking a shower that week, and you're back on the computer. It sucked. Yeah, 120 um, hours. What's that like? That's got to be like 17, 18 hour day, right? Or how many? Just were, were you working seven yeah. days a week, or you get some days off? Uh, so you know, um, get a couple days off a month. Yeah, yeah. It, it's enough to like buy groceries and wash your clothes. <laughs> that's um, crazy. That sounds awful. Thank yeah. God I didn't get into that school. But yeah, that's that in- industry. They pay extremely well. Um, I was making six figures at, you know, 29, 30 years old. Um, and the bad part, the downside is, is that once the contract is up, if the studio does not have any more work, well, you're looking for another job. Oh, wow. And even if the studio, does, yeah, even if the studio does have more work, if they don't like you, you're looking for another job. That's so, crazy. Um, Not jobs, no job stability it was at all. And uh, at that time, um, in that industry, a lot of stuff was being outsourced, going overseas to other countries. Uh, a lot of the people that I knew followed work to India, followed work to um, Great Britain, South Korea. Um, I went up to Vancouver, Canada, following a job, and that's where I met my wife. So. Oh, so you moved to Canada yep. for work? I did. But you yep. also, I mean, if I needed a job, I would look here. <laughs> like, you also wanted a fresh start, right? You wanted to kind of get away from it all? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I had two different job offers, one down in San Diego uh, for animation, um, which I hadn't done since college, and I kind of lied on my resume. So <laughs> the job that they were offering me was, uh, I'd say, upper-level uh, type of animator, and I knew that I, that I would be found out within the like first or second day. They'd be like, <laughs> yeah, you lied, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the other one <laughs> was what I had already been doing for work, and um, that was in Vancouver. And I, you know, it's like, okay, I could already do this. It sucks, but I can do it. So. So, did you have any hesitation of moving to a new country? I mean, I don't even know how to oh, do tons. that. What was that tons, process uh, like? Deciding to do that. 
this is how horrible I am with money, uh, by the way. Prime example here. So I told you that I was making, you know, six figures over a hundred grand per year. Mm-hmm. When I moved to Canada, I had maybe 90 bucks in my pocket. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, most of it went to uh, other people. Uh, a lot of it went to alcohol. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and also uh, Burbank and Hollywood. They are not cheap to live in yeah, at all. No, definitely. So you never saved money or anything? You were <laughs> $90 and off to Canada? Like, you remember my, uh, my 30th birthday? I think that was one of the last times we hung out. Uh-huh. Um, with the bounce house and the fire pit and the DJ and the absinthe uh, in that, you know, dark pukey corner. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't really <laughs> remember that night. <laughs> I remember puking a lot, passing uh-huh. out, waking up way too sober and fighting my way home from, like, a Taco Bell in Toluca Lake or something. That's about all I remember from that night. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also remember Jen okay. and Corey fighting pretty bad that night. That was pretty hilarious. Jen, yeah, was, Jen was like that, a spider monkey sucked. on him. You know, that that sucked because it was uh, because from someone that I invited. I didn't know their interwoven history or anything like that. But uh, it's, yeah, quite <laughs> so, it's quite a history. It's quite a history. Yeah, that is very interwoven. You're right. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, that was my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nobody could have predicted that, but yeah. Yeah, that that was a crazy night. I threw up a lot that night. Good times. I I know. I remember parts of it. (laughs) So how did you get to Canada? You just drive up your crappy car? I had a piece of shit Ford Focus, a fuck ass, and um, drove all the way to Canada. It's like... 2200 to 2500 miles something like that well it's also canada uh, like on the other side of canada right you didn't have to like just drive straight up no no no, no. i just drove straight up oh, vancouver is on the uh, the west coast so. oh so you're not where you yeah. you were you started at a different place in canada than than where you are now i started in, on the entire opposite side oh yeah. okay i didn't know that i thought you moved to canada and have been in the same place so, I've done a lot of <laughs> So that's fucking crazy, like courageous shit right there, man, to just pack it all up and drive up north like what was that day? Like yeah. you got a stomach ache that day or Yeah, I felt pretty good about the whole thing. Like I had a job waiting for me, so uh-huh. didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um I rented a really cheap ass apartment for like five hundred bucks a month. Um and when I got up there, I understood why it was only 500 bucks a month. Um, <laughs> but you did have a place to stay and a job. Crosses, uh, train tracks, yeah. But you, but you did so, have a place to sleep that night and a job the next week or morning, so that's not as scary, I guess. Exactly. I don't think I would still have right. the guts, though. I'm so scared of change and stuff. That sounds so wild. The, the scariest part was just not knowing anybody. Um, yeah. Well, well, also just the drive, well, just the drive, like, <laughs> what if your car breaks down halfway or something, or like, what if, you, I don't know, what if they stop you at the border and they're like, no thanks, get out of here. Or... Okay, okay, so, great story, I drove up on April 1st, alright, April Fool's Day. <laughs> Perfect. And, and it's my first time uh, going to Canada, like, I've been to Mexico plenty of times, Mexico is super easy, or was super easy to cross the border. Literally, like, you can walk into Mexico. You yeah. don't need to show a passport. You don't need to show idea. You just walk across a bridge, essentially. Yeah. And you're in Mexico. Um, and then on the way back, if you have your driver's license, this is the way it used to be. If you had a California driver's license, a valid one, they're like, okay, come on in. Didn't even need a passport. Well, being white helps, um, too. A white person with a driver's license. Yes. We went right through exactly. the other way. So for Mexico, we can go in and out. That's our white privilege, I guess. Hey, I finally discovered actual white privilege I have. That's cool. There you go. <laughs> Cross the Mexican border with no problem. Uh, but Canada's some, not that way, right? Crazy times. Yeah. Uh, so going into Canada, because, you know, like half the population is white in Canada. Um, 
And uh, I don't know, they have weird smuggling that goes on in Canada, like a lot of stuff with Hell's Angels, a lot of um, illegal guns, and then also maple syrup, (laughs) which I don't understand. But apparently there's an illegal maple syrup trade up here, and it fucking blows my mind. Oh my god, I want to get involved in that for some reason. I want to be a maple syrup runner or something. That sounds sounds exciting. (laughs) Uh, But I'm crossing the border, and I've never done it before. And the border crossing um, in Canada is not just a bridge that you walk across. Like, you're sitting in your car for, like, three hours in stop-and-go traffic. And then you finally get to the checkpoint, and they ask you all these, like, really weird kind of off-putting questions. Um, but one of them was, why are you coming up here? Just bluntly, <laughs> like with an attitude, why the fuck are you coming yeah, up here? That's crazy. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I have a job waiting for me that I start tomorrow. He goes, yeah. what makes you more qualified? What makes you more qualified than an actual Canadian? And I said, um, sir, I, I'm sorry. I'm not prepared for this. Like I have a job that starts tomorrow. All the paperwork's in my in my bag here he goes okay you pull over there you go inside that building they're going to ask you more difficult questions than what i'm asking you so i went into this building the customs uh building and there's this lady and she's asking me all these questions for like an hour straight like almost two hours straight trying to figure out where my paperwork my documents and everything that i have with me um are signed and verified and everything that I can actually cross the border. And at this point I'm thinking, okay, I just drove an entire day <laughs> to get to a checkpoint where they're going to turn me right around. Wow. You know? And then I said, hold on. Um, I think I might have something it's in, uh, this envelope. I haven't even opened it yet. It's official paper from Canada from the government. And it was actually my citizenship card. So because my mom was born in um, Ontario, uh, her citizenship goes, gets passed down to her children. So that's me. And um, by proxy, I'm a Canadian citizen. So I take out this envelope sent to me from the Canadian government. I open it. It's my Canadian citizenship card. And I hand it to her and I go, here, does this help you out? And she goes, how long have we been talking? I'm like, I don't know. She goes, two hours. Happy April Fool's. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. That's an elaborate April <laughs> Fool's like, joke. <laughs> you mean you mean I, I can go? Like, I can go to my job? She goes, yeah, you wasted my time. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. So they're pissed at that First point. That's all you had to do was show that I card. Was, she was super pissed. Yeah, that's all I had to do was show that card. I'm saying that I'm a Canadian citizen. Oh, or, you know some sort of documentation saying like I I'm permitted to work up here. Wait, until and, you uh, until you open that envelope, did you not know you were a Canadian citizen? No, I knew I was a Canadian citizen, but I had no idea what the hell they wanted from me. To pre- you know, cross the border for the first time and it wasn't for, you know, pleasure or anything like that. I'm not going up there to visit their fine country or anything. Yeah. I'm going there to work. Um and they're throwing out all these like crazy ass questions like no we don't want you here go away (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're pretty strict i don't even think they let you just go up there for fun i think you like have to have work or something up there Um, now uh, especially now with covid like yeah you're not coming up here Uh, that's wild uh, they closed the borders i think they're opening them again in july sometime in july well i mean even even pre-covid i know it's hard to just go up there and live there I don't think if they just let anybody in, they're pretty, they're stricter than us, I imagine. Way stricter. That's wild. Well, got to keep it pure, I guess. Keep it all Canadian. (laughs) They're a lot stricter, but at the same time, their immigration policies are like wide open. It's really weird. If you want to like move up here to live in here, you know, as long as you follow like the guidelines and everything supply like the documents and crap like that they'll fucking just like you know yeah so living there is easy but visiting is tough <laughs> yeah 
visiting and stuff. You got to prove you're going to live there. That's crazy. So what did you do when you got to your new apartment after that ordeal? Did you just like pass out from 24 hours of driving or did you drink yourself? Uh, pretty much. To hell because of that ordeal? <laughs> uh, so I quickly found out that there is no parking in Vancouver, which <laughs> fucking sucks. Um, and that was a major pain in my ass because I was waking up every morning at like 6.30 to move my car so I didn't get towed. Oh, crazy. Um, but besides that, uh, after unloading everything into the apartment, I went and just checked out the immediate area. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was living was uh, off of uh, Alexander, which is right next to Water Street. Um, this is like old town Vancouver. Yeah. Um, you know, the original Vancouver from like 250 years ago uh, mm-hmm. is really badass. If you're ever traveling, I highly suggest checking it out. It's beautiful. When did you meet your lovely wife? Um, no, I, I didn't meet Angela for maybe two or three months. Where did you meet her at work? Or? No, um, we actually met online. Uh, I was doing dating apps primarily because of work. Uh, you know, just didn't have time. Yeah, for to, sure. You know, hit up the bar or anything after yeah. a 10, 12 hour day. Um, so this was pre Tinder. You didn't swipe right. You <laughs> had to do like a, you know, 800 question. Uh, questionnaire and they tried to pair you up through an algorithm and stuff like that. Is it like eHarmony um, or something? Uh, it, it, eHarmony, but it was free. Oh, okay. Because I know eHarmony right. is the one that gives you like the wildly long test. Yeah, exactly. And it was like that. And I was, I'd been doing questions for months and months and months just out of boredom. Um, and it was my theory that I was going to be matched up with somebody. Uh, if they actually took the time to do these questions, if we were matched up, then we would have a lot in common. Yeah. You know? Um, and I went on in about three months, I don't know, maybe 20 different dates. Uh, nothing ever came of them. They quickly realized that I'm a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You let that count as a bag? Angela, like, <laughs> You're supposed to hide that? your personality on a date. Adam, geez. So, uh, I'm horrible at hiding my personality or anything <laughs> like that. I have no personality. Um, oh, shut up. <laughs> my, my personality <laughs> is memes. memes. That's what my oh. personality is. Hey, you're, 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 uh, you're ahead of the game nowadays. Memes are life. But yeah, we, we met up at this uh, bar called the, uh, the Storm Crow Tavern. Um, it is a nerd bar, and there's nothing like it in the United States that I'm aware of. Um, their menus are recycled D and D, like um, I don't know, maps or something. Dungeons and Dragons, like those are uh, the only memes. Yeah, those are the only memes I don't get to enjoy. Like I surf Imager a lot, and every once in a while there'll be this whole like dump of D and D memes, and I'm just like, I don't get it. Well, I get some of them, but well, I mean that that's like how nerdy that I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> yeah, they use recycled D and D like master game backboards and stuff like that i mean if D is involved at all that's pretty nerdy even for me yeah (laughs) uh they had like an entire wall of just like laser guns and stuff like that it it was pretty cool a bunch of like um sci-fi movie pictures that were all signed by people that were in them and i don't know i i enjoyed it it was pretty cool they have this thing called the um the random shot and you roll a 20-sided dice, huh. and depending upon which number you get, you have to drink that shot. Oh, man. Okay. That's actually pretty so, fun it, sounding. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then on one wall in the corner is just board games and card games. So um, Angela and I, we ended up playing a bunch of board games, card games. She kicked my ass in Scrabble huh. um, to her benefit though uh i was playing upside down so yeah we ha- we haven't redone this game and she's been putting it off for i don't know about eight years now <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you're holding i mean you do recognize she's, letters she's upside like, down though right i mean I'm, I'm the like... winner. yeah she's like uh i'm the winner and i'm now retiring undefeated thank you <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's like an old old movie trope 
I'm not retiring now that I've won once. I'm done. That's funny. So what was it like um, immediately felt this is better than the last 20 girls I've tried? By far. Yeah. Like, without That's question. awesome. That's awesome. And then... Yeah, um, no, we hit it off, like, perfectly well. Um, what was she doing you know, at the time? Was she, like, living on her own in a job? She or? was, she was uh, living on her own. She was a student. Uh, she worked at the school uh, that she was going to. Um, Has she always lived in Canada? Of, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, she was born in uh, Newfoundland, oh, which wow. is like uh, an island, a pretty large island uh, out on the East Coast. Um, and like by island, I mean, it's probably the size of Southern California. Like it's it's a big, big island. That is a big island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She went out to uh, BC to go to the University of UBC. Mm. Um, and she was studying chemistry out there. Uh, yeah. That's what she was doing when we met up. How how did you guys end up across the country? Uh, so after living in Vancouver for a few years, uh, she graduated. She ended up getting a job at the university as a uh, like a lecturer um, and doing some other stuff, a lot of prep work, um, essentially preparing classes for professors. Uh, she was getting worked to the bone. It was pretty bad. I just almost had no time for anything else. Well, that's a weird racket, too, that whole, like, go to college to work at college. Like, I'm going to learn this subject to yeah. be a professor. Like, what kind of racket is that? <laughs> exactly. But that's what she always wanted to do, you know? She always wanted to teach. Uh, she, originally, she just wanted to do high school. Uh-huh. But her professors, you were far too talented to just teach high school you are could easily be you know professor and so he actually helped her out and get a uh, a scholarship and a bunch of like grants and stuff like that which is awesome on her part that's like um, walter white <laughs> he was like a overqualified chemistry teacher <laughs> well that's the thing that she jokes about like she knows how to make crystal meth and uh. all these other like crazy illegal drugs lsd and shit like that so um you guys moved across the country. Was that another scary move, or did you fly, or was it easier this time? Uh, to that, uh, uh, she doesn't necessarily like or dislike what she's doing, um, but she feels that she's definitely being used and underpaid. Right. And, you know, they definitely are, because they did the exact same thing to the person that took over her position afterwards. Oh, wow. Um, so, anyways, she, she's at some conference, and uh, she's talking about you know um where she wants to be where she sees herself what her ideal position is and where she's from and stuff like that out here on the east coast and whatnot um and little does she know the person that she's actually speaking with um they're somehow connected uh through like an actual relationship either you know by blood their brother or father or something like that or by marriage, uh, like, uh, I don't know, wife or something. Like an Anyways, in-law? in-law. And, yeah, some sort of in-law or relative. Uh, and they used to be the uh, dean of science out at Dalhousie University in Halifax. So maybe two weeks go by, a month goes by, and she gets an offer from Dalhousie. Hey, we have a, a job opening. We heard that you would be great for this. Send me your resume. Um, we, you know, basically heard from the right person. We're not going to have to interview other people for this type of thing. Oh, wow. I mean, obviously they did because you have to. That's law. Um, but right. She, went, she applied for it. She got the position and uh, then tells me about it. Hey, uh, I accepted this job out in Dalhousie. I'm going to be moving out there in a couple of months. Um, I would like for you to come with me. <laughs> how, how serious so, were you then? You guys weren't married yet, were you? No. We weren't married. We had been together for, when was this, 2016? We'd been together for over three years by that point. So pretty serious. Know? Yeah, so I'm just like, well, shit, you know, do I stay here in this city, which I think is absolutely wonderful, um, you know, that, like, I just mesh 
perfectly well with, but definitely can't do this on my own type of thing. Yeah. Or do I move another, you know, 5,000 miles with this woman who I'm absolutely crazily in love with? Yeah. You know, obviously I chose her. Easy decision. But, I mean, that's still a big decision. Did you guys even have, like, a sit-down, like, hey, let's make sure we both want to get married and have kids? Or, like, did you guys, at that point, kind of already talk that stuff out? Because moving 5,000 miles away and then be like, oh, I don't want to get married. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, So, at that point, I had pretty much already made up my mind what I was going to do. Okay, so you knew on your side. Yeah. Do you you think she knew on her side, or...? Well, I pretty much, (laughs) it wasn't said or anything, but I figured that she wouldn't be asking me to move with her across an entire fucking continent if she wasn't very serious. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. I guess that was a stupid question for me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think she was serious. She's asking me to move across the country. That's funny. (laughs) Um, Um, So now we're in Halifax. And have you just kept in the same kind of business? What kind of work are you doing right now? Uh, so I actually left the visual effects industry in 2013. Um, and I left because, so I met Angela, we were together for a few months and uh, then I had to go back down to Burbank chasing work once again, um, got another job down in Burbank. And then after that was done quit the industry, moved back to Vancouver and uh, fell back onto um, tech work uh, for a retail outlet store um, that needed technicians. And I've been working for them since 2013. Oh, wow. Uh, Is that like IT or? No. What is is tech work? Actually fixing fixing computers. Oh, okay. Like computers. Okay. So the IT guy for, you know, customers and shit like that. Right. Um, completely underpaid, underpaid, but you take what you can get, I guess. Uh, I also don't have a lot of other skills that I can rely on. (laughs) Join the club. um, (laughs) Exactly. It's like, am I going to do construction? No, I'm, I'm not 19 anymore. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. um, My lack of skills, (laughs) my lack of skills could fill a book. Yes. I understand. Right. That's why I'm still in entry-level work, I mean. But I'm actually uh, with the same company, but I'm working for their call center now as a uh, a manager at the call center. Oh, neato. I kind of work in a call center, technically, but not the manager. It's not neat. It sucks sucks balls. (laughs) I I hate it. (laughs) Your wife likes her job, though, right? Did that new job work out good? It worked perfect for her. She got everything that she ever wanted. It's her dream. Um, and that's, you know, why she moved out here was yeah. to follow her dream or her dream job. And I had a very well paying job that never would have allowed us to be together. Yeah. Um, I, I left that. Yeah. And it's working out. Um, I mean, I need to find a job that pays more, but for the most part, you know, it's not or too bad. At least one that you're. Slightly less miserable in. That's always a plus, too. <laughs> it's not all about money, Adam. <laughs> Just kidding. It is all about money. Depends on where you live. Yeah. Well, in California, it's a shit show, as you know. Yes, it is. Um, and then you have a daughter now? Uh, so we got married in July of 2020. I think it was actually July 1st, maybe. Mm-hmm. June 30th. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, July 1st. Yeah, good luck keeping track of all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> And then, uh, so we were already pregnant at that point when we got married. Okay. Uh, Delilah was born in November, and um, she's turning seven months next week. That's awesome. Yeah, just wait till you have two kids, and you got three birthdays to remember. Your wife's, the two kids, your own. It gets intense. You got to remember anniversaries. <laughs> <Remember> your own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I, I mean, you're just piling on, you know, until I was like 30. I didn't know anybody else's birthday except for my own. I love that too. People uh, are always like, "How's your brother?" I'm like, "I don't know." How's your mom? I don't know. <laughs> Am I supposed to keep track of everybody's birthday? Come on. Uh, now, now Facebook and my wife keeps track of everybody's birthdays. So exactly, Facebook super helpful. The only reason I still have Facebook is 
because birthdays. <laughs> yeah. But um, so real quick before we wrap this up, I do want to go over uh, the birth of your daughter. I love that stuff. I'm a, really into my kids. I know you're in, into your daughter. What what was that like? The day she was born, the first time you you held her, if you can describe that. Uh, it was pretty surreal. Like everything leading up to that point just didn't seem real. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know how better to put it. You know, like I was essentially live streaming everything that was happening. Um, you know, Angela waking up and saying my water broke and then my head just popping up off the pillow, yeah. running and getting power and throwing my clothes on and be like, okay, let's go, you know, and yeah. then driving down the freeway at like 120 miles per hour at like 530 in the morning. Um, yeah, according, get to, the hospital, according to the movies, that's, there. that's the only time you're allowed to speed. According to movies, you can go as fast as you want because you got that excuse finally. We, we didn't get pulled over or anything like that. Um, and my wife, she made me stop to get some breakfast. <laughs> She's just like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I'm not going to have the baby in the car. So That is sort of true. <laughs> early early labor is not that big of a deal. Sort of. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I figure that she probably understands what's happening with her body, or her body better than I do. So... <laughs> Uh, no, the man knows everything, okay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I first held Sterling, I, I just welled up, just cried. Not, like, crying, but just eyes filled with water. And Yeah, uh, uh, I didn't cry with her. Um, we were in the, uh, the hospital room. They had just put the gown on her, and we are waiting... And I was starting to get a little bit nervous. Um, and then the nurse comes in and she goes, okay, we're ready. Cause they're, we had a scheduled uh, C-section okay. and uh, what happens that her water broke the morning of our scheduled C-section. So Delilah was, um, she was breech. Uh, so there was no way that she was going to be born, you know, normally or anything like that. Um, but the nurse comes in and she goes, okay, we're ready for you. And, and that's the moment where like, I started feeling like some panic, Yeah, you know, like, holy crap, this is actually going to happen. I, and it's going to happen right now. Yeah. And they take us into this room and, um, I'm not somebody who is like ever fainted or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, but they're giving her this epidural and everything like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm supposed to be like her support and everything. And I'm just like, fuck, I, I, I need some, I need something. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> you know? that's exactly how I, that's, you almost, you almost described word for word, uh, Lincoln's delivery, my second son. Cause like he I, was, I, I, I need some drugs myself. <laughs> right. Job. Can I get a hit off that epidural or what? <laughs> They really should. They really like. They should. They should slip the data Xanax or something like. Yeah, yeah just let them have a joint or something. Right. I don't know. But they gotta focus uh, on the mother. I don't know. I'll never understand it. <laughs> so they put up this tarp, you know, because they're gonna cut her open yeah. and take the baby out and everything. Did and, you look on the other uh, side of the tarp? Because I did. So uh, initially I didn't, um, it just looked like they were doing like wrestling moves on Angela, like suplexes and <laughs> people's elbows and shit like that. Yeah. And, uh, this is what I was doing. So when I get nervous, like I start making jokes and yeah. I had her kind of laughing and, you know, she's just like, don't make me laugh right now. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and the nurse, uh, at one point goes, Oh, here she comes. And so I was, started singing uh man eater and i forget who it's by but oh oh here she comes <laughs> and angela's like oh she's a man eater oh, you know man. and like she's like literally they're taking the baby out of her and she's like she's a man eater yeah it's fucking oh my god it's ridiculous but that's how delilah was born well because they she's... asked if i wanted to see her mm-hmm. and i stood up and they're holding this baby up and uh, she's just covered in blood, and she's got her umbilical cord still, you know, coming out of Angela's stomach, which is cut open. And uh, it was a surreal moment. Yeah. And then she screams, you know. Yeah. Just screams, cries, you know, like, I'm in this world. And I was just like, 
all I could say was, wow. And then I sat down and had to process what I had just seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was... It was something. There is a lot of blood uh, involved because I I remember I looked I looked around the curtain which they shouldn't even let you do I don't know why they even have that available but um I didn't see Tiana too much like all cut open I kind of did but what I remember the <laughs> most I don't know if you saw this too was like um they had a thing like a shoe rack like those vertical shoe racks with little pockets you would put your shoes in like they hang on the back of a door and. Every little pocket was just stuffed with bloody rags. And I was just like, oh my god, that's the most yeah. blood I've ever seen. Like, how many rags they went through just to keep the blood off the floor, I guess. That was, it was a lot of blood. That was wild. That's crazy. I don't even know why dads are allowed in the room during a C-section. I feel like they definitely shouldn't be. Oh, yeah, wild times. That's crazy. But anyways, um, okay. what I was going to ask, though, because I've done plenty of these interviews now. And uh, I always get these jokers at the end of them after we're done and everything's turned off. They go like, oh, I can't believe you didn't ask me about this one thing. Or like, oh, I had this crazy story I could have told you, but you didn't ask. <laughs> so I'm trying, this oh, new, I'm trying this new thing today with you. First time trying it. Is there any story or anything like that that you're like, oh, I wish I could have talked about that? Or anything I missed? Or A lot of... Um my childhood trauma and stuff like that and uh, PTSD that we were just talking about um, mostly from my mom um, is because of my grandfather uh, he was a World War II um, prisoner of war in uh, Germany oh wow uh, he was shot down in a plane and somehow survived spent two years in a POW camp that was uh, located near like Auschwitz and um, wow. a lot of really horrible horrible shit happened to him mm-hmm. and he survived and because he is so religious he believes that he's survived for a reason that he was chosen by God that type of thing uh-huh. um, but he took out that post-traumatic stress and instilled those beliefs so severely into his children my aunts, my uncles, my mom stuff like that that they, in turn, thought that they were, you know, chosen by God for some divine purpose and stuff like that. And then they took those beliefs and instilled them in their own children um, not with less physical violence, but a lot of more of the emotional and um, psychological type of trauma. Uh, and that's kind of what I experienced Um I'm going to try not to, you know, do that to my own children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be fucking hard because that's how I was raised. Yeah. And these sort of absolutes like, and uh, constantly to this day, you know, 30 years later, like catching myself <laughs> doing these things that I would never that I told myself that I would never do like I'm never going to be like my parents I'm never going to be like them and the reality is is now I'm a lot like them yeah it kind of sucks at times but yeah um you gotta you gotta take it with a grain of salt you know realize that even though you hate them for reasons uh they're not all bad and you got to pick and choose and try to sift through all the grit and find the uh the moments of happiness i guess that's the end of today's episode i hope you enjoyed if you liked today's episode please subscribe review and share with a friend stay tuned for next week's episode when i interview my coworker leo thanks again for listening and be kind to each other